Welcome, 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 geeks and nerds, girls and boys, to another all-new edition of Geeks Me Radio. Today, we are joined by Dynamic Music Partners, talking about the music behind Young Justice Outsiders on the DC streaming service. We'll then talk Oscar commentary with Brett Hoffman and Marcus Theaters. All that and more. Stand by. We're talking TV, comics and movies, and video games. And if you don't know, Star Trek and Star Wars. Another fantastic show today. I'm your host, James Enstall. I never introduce myself. I never say, this is James Enstall with Geek to Me Radio. It's always like, this is Geek to Me Radio. So hello, everyone. I'm James Enstall. Uh, we have a fantastic show. Those of you who are enjoying Young Justice Season 3, Outsiders, on the DC streaming service, we have a great treat for you today. The people who brought you the music behind the show are on. We're joined now by Dynamic Music Partners, uh, Lolita Ritmanis, Michael Mc. Houston, I hope I pronounced that right, and Christopher Carter. Close, it's Michael, right McQu- I- Michael McQuistian, Michael McQuistian. Okay, I, I was close. I tried my very best, but uh, I, I was at least two out of three I got. That's great. I can't thank you all three enough for joining me on air to talk about Young Justice Outsiders and the music behind it. Fantastic. Thanks for having us. Of course. So, obviously, no stranger to working on DC projects. Uh, the three of you have all worked on uh, every part stuff we know batman beyond batman brave and the bold justice league unlimited legion of superheroes teen titans zeta project with young justice you worked on the first two seasons when it was announced that season three was going to happen was it an automatic you guys dynamic music partners are in or was there some hesitation Uh, what was up in the air and what was guaranteed for you guys well hi everybody michael here um it wasn't our decision at all. I mean, we heard that it was going to get a pickup, and we were thrilled, of course, because it was so unusual the way that it happened with all the fans, you know, expressing so much interest in Warner Brothers actually listening and saying, great, we'll make another season five years later. Um, so, I mean, we, we were contacted pretty quickly after that, I, I think, but, but it was definitely always the producer's decision and the studio's decision who they're going to hire. So we were just grateful that they were getting the old team back together. And I think that was true of a lot of different departments, not just music, but a lot of different people in the crew and, and the original, of course, the producers, co-producers, Grant, Brandon and Greg. Um, so we were just glad that we were part of that original team that, that was able to come back and, and tackle this new season. But it was very exciting we, when we actually got the final call. When we got the actual oh. call, it was one of these. I mean, how often does it happen where you get a call? Hey, the show's been off the air for two years. Uh, well, not off the air, but it's no new episodes in two years. And uh, we're doing a season three and you're in. So, <laughs> Pretty cool. And it was such a well-received series by the fans um, it, it fired on all cylinders between the voice work, the writing, the animation, obviously the music. 
we've had Greg Weissman on the show before, and we had him on literally two weeks before it was officially announced that it was going to be renewed. And at the time, he either acted very coy or he literally had no idea that it was definitely going to be renewed. So it was very exciting when that news broke. Having worked on the original series and then having it be in the hiatus and then coming back to work on the season now, um, a much more, I don't want to use the word adult, but um, I'd say advanced as far as both the team, the the actors, the uh, the characters have grown. And obviously it's reflected in the music. Could the three of you talk a little bit about how that was to revisit the project and have it updated with the the subtle nuances between the original series and what we're now seeing with Young Justice Outsiders? And this is Christopher. Hello. Um, I think that we were wanting to uh, take the music in more of a direction that it was a little bit darker, a little bit more advanced. Um, the score had the chance to grow, too. So we we're a little more sometimes maybe dissonant, sometimes a little more adventurous in the, the textures and the orchestra. And, and um, we're, we were really happy to have a chance to kind of evolve the sound along with the show. And it's also a very collaborative process with uh, Brandon Vietti and Greg Weissman, um, where we literally do go pretty much frame by frame for each episode and talk about the what the music can do, what the music should not do, uh, certain ways to enhance the scene, or also to stay out of the way sometimes. So it's it's a it's a very involved, um, wonderfully involved collaborative process. Um, very similar to what would be on on top feature film kind of work so it, this is this ain't no little small cartoon that's for sure <laughs> <laughs> um i just wanted to add uh also that we evolved our palette because we originally were doing young justice with more kind of synthesizer sounds unusual textures ambient uh pulsations and things like that and we have all of that at our disposal but we've also added a full orchestra palette to that for this season which is a little bit more of an adult sound and it gives us a little bit more of a breadth of expression because now we pretty much have everything at our fingertips instead of just limiting ourselves to just electronic music we we actually have acoustic music and we're using all these different elements all together now and the collaborative effort with this being uh i guess almost in a way the flagship title for dc's launch of the new dc streaming service how much and especially with given the amount of experience that all of you have had working on various DC animated projects, how much free reign was given to the three of you and how much was kind of laid out? We need this, this, and this, or was it a, a nice healthy balance of the two? Free reign. Um, I don't know if we have necessarily free reign. We have, um, after, after we have our meetings with um, Brandon and Greg, um, we certainly all feel very inspired to, to delve into the deepest part of our creative process to bring back something that will hopefully they will think is fantastic um so in that sense having that confidence from the producers that you know they've chosen us because they know they can ask for something and we will really go for it to try to give give them what they want and sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't and that's all the all part of that whole back and forth process so you know, free reign is great, but it also can be kind of overrated if you don't have the collaborative process, <laughs> if you don't have your, if you don't have the people whose vision it is to begin with, if those people aren't accessible, that can for a composer be very frustrating because then when you don't get any feedback, you don't know if it is working or not. So it's really nice to have that trust and that freedom on, on both sides. 
we had a question come in from one of our Twitter followers at Jay Sandlin writer wanted to know the, uh, the opening to outsiders is uh, brilliant with uh, while still being subtle. And he wants to know with the uh, halo specifically, he seems to be the breakout star. How does the music convey her many uses of her powers? We see visually when the colors change, but audio can be far more subtle. How is that woven in by the three of you? Um, that was something that came from discussions with, with the producers. Greg was mentioning when we first met the character that she has all these, these different uh, powers and uh, an instrument that um, an instrument that kind of captures that, the, the, you know, the, the diversity of her, of her power is uh, the strings. And so that was something that, that they wanted to be a component of that. So Halo has a, a theme that's, that's based in the strings and uh, has this sense of, of uh, wonder and awe and, and discovering who she is and this new, uh, you know, this new combination of, uh, of a being's machine and, and human. And having worked, as we mentioned, on so many, uh, not just animated projects, we mentioned uh, the uh, well-deserved Emmy Award win for Batman Beyond, but also the multiple nominations for the other shows, Justice League Unlimited, uh, Zeta Project. Also, the work in TV and film with shows like West Wing and the others, uh, up to films like Lethal Weapon 3 and 4. What do you find is more challenging for doing an animated series than it is doing a live-action film? Well, I think uh, when you're talking about animation versus live-action, you're talking about a, a most, you're, you're mostly talking about pace because animation tends to move much quicker than live-action in terms of the drama and the action. Um, it's much more compressed. So that's certainly something something to think about because, you know, music moves through time. And, and when you're working on a live action show, you usually have a little bit more time to, to express something musically than you do in an animated show where things are a lot more compressed and the storytelling is more compressed. So it takes, you know, a, certain, a different kind of creativity to be able to say what you need to say quickly and effectively and make sure that there's not too many notes in there. <laughs> and then, you know, move on to something else, turn on a dime. Uh, those are the skills that I think are unique to animation, um, and story-wise too. Uh, you you can tell uh, you can tell a, a much broader story with live action because sometimes those programs are are longer. Sometimes they're an hour long for a series, whereas animation is usually twenty two minutes. So really, I think that that pace is one of the biggest biggest differences between the two. Um, well, you mentioned some of the big features. I mean, all three of us have have a pretty diverse background of, of work that we have done and continue to do that's away from composing for animation. And um, early in my career, I did a lot of orchestrating for for some of these huge features. We mentioned Lethal Weapon, two of the Lethal Weapons, um, which I worked on for Michael Kamen. Now, he was the composer, but he had several orchestrators. And, and in that sense, our job was not to compose any music. It was to take... Um, musical sketches, musical ideas, and arrange them for the full orchestra. And that was very thrilling. Um, the, the pressure of having to answer to a producer or a director is kind of gone because for me, because I am really answering to the composer at that point. And that's a very, that's a very common type of job in our field. There are many, many top composers that have a whole team of people working with them, working, you know, alongside them, even writing some of the music under the main composer's name um, to facil facilitate getting the work done. Um, with the three of us, uh, what has been a real 
godsend for us is that we really all three, we are the only composers on these series. And we, we take that as kind of a badge of honor and a badge of pride. And also sometimes it means that we have to answer for everything. Um, and it means that we are intimately involved with all the music that we write and we pretty much know every note. And uh, that's, it's, it's a joy. It's kind of how it used to be back in the old days. And uh, I think it, it allows for our creative voices to be truly authentic because it's us. It's the three of us. And since we're talking Young Justice Outsiders with dynamic music partners, every good superhero has an origin story. The Justice League were formed, uh, how the Avengers were formed fighting Loki. The three of you teaming up. Tell us a little bit about how that collaboration and the formation of dynamic music partners came about. Uh, Dynamic music partners was definitely a a conscious decision on the three of us to have work-life balance and to pool our resources together um, to, uh, you know, to conquer the industry with, you know, times with power times three. Um, I can tell you that we were actually working together for many years before we actually called ourselves dynamic music partners. Um, We originally started working with Shirley Walker on the Batman, the animated series back in the early nineties. Yeah. And that's where we met each other. And she had a a very lengthy and and interesting process by which she would uh, hire composers to help her on the show and do first orchestrate for her and then later write cues and then perhaps get their own episode. And we all went through that process and ended up on the other side of it being pretty much her team plus Harvey Cohen, who's no longer with us. Um, So it was the four of us uh, uh, who did Superman, the animated series with Shirley. And, after that, we just we had been working together for so long, and we just kept working together on, on all these different shows, and we finally just decided, hey, you know, it would be great if we could just form our own little umbrella and have one name for the three of us when we work in animation, and that's that's how that ended up happening. But but we've I think we've been dynamic music partners now for fourteen years, is it? Um, but we've actually been working together for more like twenty five. <laughs> And obviously the work you did on Batman Mask of the Phantasm, which to my mind is still probably the best Batman movie ever to hit the big screen. And then going forward, like you said, working with Shirley Walker, was it kind of, are you without, I don't want you guys to get any trouble, but are you guys more or less, it sounds like Warner Brothers DC's go-to people for the music in their shows, given the list of projects you've taken on and the accolades you've gotten for those projects. Well, that's a nice thought. Um, <laughs> we are we are often very fortunate to work on on Warner Brothers projects. Um, there 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 are other composers as well that work on on some of the projects, and you know, very talented composers. So for for us to be in the pool of go to people, uh, it's it's great. But there's no there's really no sitting back on our laurels and just relaxing. I mean, anytime there's a new show, a new uh, series, or a film. Uh, it's very often that we have to really step up and, and, and make some sort of initial contribution musically just to kind of either secure our place on that project or to, if, it, if it's new producers, to, to audition. Um, but it's, uh, it's, it's not as common with Warner Brothers because of the people that we've worked with in the past. So it's been it's been a great ride. Um, we do work with other studios, other producers as well, and it's important to keep keep all the different stories straight and all the different characters, and make sure that every property that we work on has a unique sound that's very personable. And I think uh, it's an interesting point you bring up because I think a lot of people are familiar with 
casting for voice actors or casting for actors in movies and TVs, but with um, musicians and composers and conductors, I'm sure it's a slightly different process. Are you asked to submit? Do you, is it like, do some places have open calls? Please uh, let's hear what you have. How does it work? The process of being selected for a particular project from any studio. We'll get that answer and more right after this. Stand by. Hi, this is Greg Weissman, the creator of Gargoyles and co-creator of Young Justice, and you're listening to geek to me Radio. Stay well. And right now we're talking with dynamic music partners, people behind the music for this latest season of Young Justice Outsider Season 3 on DC Streaming Service. We asked them before we went to break about the process of auditioning as far as jobs when it comes for musicians and composers. Um, it's actually not so much different from what actors have to go through. There's definitely a, a period of, of an audition. Um, we have to... Uh, I mean, there's, there's, there's a variety. Some shows will actually bring potential composers and conductors in, and you can make a pitch. Other times, uh, you actually pitch by your music. You'll, you'll create a piece as an audition, and that serves as your, um, you know, as you're representing you in that process. Yeah, I'll, I'll just add that it's, uh, it's sometimes deceiving when you only hear music, but you don't hear or you don't experience how the composer uh, can interact with the creative person in charge. So just the back and forth of helping do the storytelling through music um, also, just personalities. How do people work together? That's just something that you know. That's why you hear of these stories of directors and composers having these long, long relationships because you do develop a musical shorthand, and uh, some of that nervousness that you might have on a first date is absolutely not there. Um, so you can kind of get to the next level, figuratively speaking. Um, I think it's I think there's there's benefit to both. I mean, obviously some young composers trying to break into the business, you know, you you, I, you hope for the health of the business that there is room for everyone. But often I find that people that take chances on someone that they've never heard of based on just one track, um we've had a couple of situations where then we are called back in, not back in, but we're called in. Maybe we were like second in line to get the show, but it went to some unknown person and there wasn't a successful working relationship. And then we stepped in and, and, and took over. So there's no rules. <laughs> and with young justice being brought back for its well-deserved third season, uh, the fan outcry was huge to bring this show back and WB and DC listened and they brought the show back for a third season. The same outcry is now being heard for Justice League Unlimited. The people want this show back. The hashtag JL Reunions on Twitter. Uh, we actually had Andrea Romano on the show and she said she'd come out of retirement to direct it if they did a feature film. Uh, we've had several members of the cast on, Kevin Conroy, Susan Eisenberg, Philomar, and they've all said the same thing. Would that be something, obviously, that you guys would be right up at the on deck, essentially, if they were to bring back a Justice League Unlimited, uh, be it a movie or a small series? And have you guys given any thoughts to that? Are those wheels turning in your heads as well? Well, they're turning now, for goodness sakes. I hadn't heard of this before. <laughs> so this is amazing news that there's this kind of fan interest out there. Oh, my gosh. And we'd be thrilled. We'd be absolutely thrilled. One of our best experiences was working on Justice League and Justice League Unlimited. We, we would love to work on that show again. It would just be terrific. Yay. Go fans. 
Um, that music has definitely had a life of its own. Apart from the screen, um, we've traveled to several places across the world uh, conducting music from both of those series, and the fans go nuts. I mean, we, we, we presented this music in Krakow, Poland, in Tenerife, in the Canary Islands, uh, in, 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 in Ubeda, Spain, um, and in Texas. Mm-hmm. in a rotunda of the of the capitol building in austin four so, different countries yeah <laughs> so people as soon as they hear you know either the justice league theme or justice league unlimited and and of course all, all another fan favorite is our is is chris's batman beyond theme so you know we'd love to have that come back too yeah and their talk now i've just seen uh rumblings that they're looking at possibly doing a live action Batman Beyond and uh, Will Friedle has said he'd like a role in the show. Obviously, if they do it as a, uh, a movie or a TV series live action, the possibilities are almost limitless now that DC has their own streaming service. So it's very exciting to see all these things pop up and uh, new chances for everybody involved to come through. With Justice League being so well received and such a special show, um, how closely did you, the three of you, get to work? with the voice actors and do any of you uh, go around uh, Lolita, Michael and Christopher, uh, do you have a special story with one of the cast members particularly? Not just this league. Really. Well, I mean, just as far as the process goes, we don't really interact with the cast uh, unless there's a song. If there's a song to be done, then we'll interact with the cast for sure. Um, I mean, like for instance, in Batman Brave and the Bold, we work with Neil Patrick Harris to do the musical episode, The Mayhem of the Music Meister, and so that was a really that's a fantastic example of great a, a great collaboration. Um, he was wonderful to work with, and it was terrific to be able to write songs, and we knew they'd be performed so well. So that's great. But in, in ordinarily, um, the voice acting is done long before the music. And even though when we're when we work on the music, we have the performances of the voice actors as our inspiration, along with the picture. Um, we don't usually have contact with them unless there's some kind of music that they're going to be doing for the show. I was just going to say, like another voice actor that was amazing to work with is um, when we did that, uh, The Killing Joke and we had this crazy song that Mark Hamill saying and just to be in the studio with him uh and to you know pretty much faint when he entered but then had to compose myself <laughs> to be able to actually work with him um it's it's really ama- it's really quite amazing um we had uh we've had a few of these uh, young justice uh viewing parties where some of the cast members show up and it's always interesting for them because when when we hear them speak it's like Oh my God, that's Halo, and it's so we've we've been living with these voices, and we're just like so geeked out, fan geeked out that we need to that we need to uh, you know kind of kind of tear ourselves off the ceiling and just say, hey, yeah, we're yeah, we're the composers, so you know, but uh, it's definitely fun, and we did some work, we did work with the Young Justice cast. Chris, you could tell about the, the vocal sessions. Well, of course, uh, Young Justice appeared in Teen Titans Go. So when Young Justice came back, they had to reciprocate and have Teen Titans Go uh, make an appearance in Young Justice. Yeah, we got to do, do uh, create a, a spoof song for the Doom Patrol and work with uh, um, Scott Menville and Tara Strong, and Kari Payton, and Greg Sipes, and Hinden Walsh, and just to hear those voices, uh, you know, singing the song, but actually in character. It's really, really quite amazing they can do that. And I guess with the uh, return of this third season, uh, I think at one point last week, it was the most 
stream show of all the platforms. Uh, the accolades have been huge. The fan reception has been fantastic. I can only assume that a fourth season will be coming without obviously getting any of you into trouble. Have any of the three of you heard anything as far as what we uh, might get to see or if, a, in fact, a fourth season is actually coming? We have heard that everybody wants it. Now, we have not heard how it's going to happen. <laughs> no, nobody. So. To please don't assume anything. Um, <laughs> yes. It was the fan interest that made it happen to begin with, and I think it's going to take the same kind of fan interest that's going to create a fourth season because there are no guarantees for sure. I, and I know for sure that they're paying very close attention to all the numbers, so uh, we totally encourage the fan base to not drop off in between the the two seasons, the two seasons, um, well, the two half seasons, because the next batch I think uh, begins in July, July or something. Right. So keep yeah, watching, that right. watch, watch, rewatch. Don't cancel anything. You know, <laughs> I think it's. I think you know that's the thing. I actually heard some some people say like, oh, I might, I might just buy it and then cancel it, and it's like, no, don't cancel. <laughs> The fans really are so powerful, and I think sometimes the fans don't even realize how powerful they are. So, so keep keep uh, watching and keep supporting it. It, it, it. You can. They're powerful superhero fans. Yeah. Yes. If, if you're listening right now and you have not yet subscribed to the DC Universe, it's fantastic. Uh, all the series we mentioned from Batman Beyond, Batman the Animated Series, uh, original series like Young Justice Outsiders, and also. Uh, the live-action Titans, all that on the DC streaming service. Thank you all three for your time. Uh, it's been fantastic talking to you again. Dynamic Music Partners, the people behind the music that we're hearing on Young Justice Outsiders, you can stream it now. Thank you all three for your time today, and I look forward to keeping up, and uh, hopefully we'll get that season four of Young Justice, maybe something new for Justice League. And yeah, that'd be fantastic. Thanks so much. We'll be right back talking with Brett Hoffman and Marcus Theaters after this. Stand by. Hey guys, this is Kari Payton. I play Cyborg on Teen Titans Go. Booyah! And get ready for some Geek to Me Radio. I hear it's real good. This segment, and really this this show, is brought to you by the fine folks at Discover St. Charles. That's discoverstcharles.com for the website. Go to the website. Just pull it up on your phone or your laptop. It's a gorgeous website. They've got these beautiful pictures uh, cultivated from Instagram. People who've gone out there and taken pictures of Newtown, of the uh, the uh, uh, car dealership that's out there that sells all the classic cars fast lane of their inside the foundry that when it's decorated for an event of the old grist mill by the millstream bar uh of just some of the historic buildings it's a fantastic looking and it almost just makes you want to immediately go there uh there's something for everyone in historic saint charles and there's all places you can eat if you're looking for something like a, a unique gift to give somebody, they've got unique shopping experiences. It's a great place to go. You know it's going to be crowded. As soon as this cold weather goes away, people are going to be out there riding bikes up and down the Katy Trail. 
They'll be taking pictures. There's a lot of spring photographs going on for the kids when they're getting ready to uh, get their school pictures. They have all sorts of fantastic places to take pictures. There's always, even when it's cold, you always see the bride and the groom. You feel bad for them because the bride's out there in her wedding dress, but they're getting their pictures taken because it's such a beautiful place to get those pictures taken. Uh, if you're from out of town, if you're listening to this, you're streaming this online right now, you're hearing this uh, on, on a podcast version after we've archived it and you don't live close by, lots of places to stay from charming bed and breakfasts to hotels with all the modern amenities. Visit the website, discoverstcharles.com. Plan your trip now. There's all sorts of fun things to see and do every day of the year. Hope you'll come out and take a visit and uh, definitely visit the website, Discover stcharles.com we're gonna take another break come right back talking with brett hoffman and marcus theaters all about oscars stand by hi there this is Gary strong also known as holly quinn or raven and you're listening to geek to me radio we're back with the big award show, the Oscars, right around the corner. We've got Brett Hoffman from Marcus Theaters, one of our show sponsors, on the line, ready to talk all thing Oscars. Brett, Brett, Brett how are you, if I can talk? I'm doing great. Good, good, good. So uh, lots to uh, talk about with the Oscar picks coming up. Uh, I know you've always got uh, the inside track. You've kind of seen all these. Marcus Theaters just showed all these. They had all the Oscars uh, that they air that you you can go in and buy the ticket to go see them all for people who miss them which is always great so what uh what are you thinking going into this uh, oscar season next weekend well there's a lot going on going into this oscar season i mean if we look at the individual categories i think it's safe to say i don't think there'll be too many surprises if you take a look and read what all the pundits are saying right now but i mean if we go through a few of them right here when you look at the best actor category I think that one's going to Rami Malek, who did a f- tremendous job playing Freddie Mercury in Bohemian Rhapsody. And um, the only guy that I think is going to be really disappointed in that in the world is Christian Bale, who, frankly, did such a great job playing Dick yeah. and basically getting himself not in shape, but out of shape for that <laughs> role. <laughs> and uh, if you saw any of those performances, you'd say you could have given it to either one. Uh, I think there are some people who said, well, maybe they'll give it to Bradley Cooper because they didn't nominate him for director. But you look at what Rami's doing for Bohemian Rhapsody, and I think that clearly goes to him. And you, Christian Bale, that's got to take a toll on your body from slimming down to for American Psycho, bulking up and muscling up for Batman. And then he's got he's got to add all this yeah. weight for, for Vice. My goodness, that man's gone through some stuff with his body. Yeah, I, I would definitely say so. And on, and on, the, on the female side and the best actress side, there are... This is one where I think there isn't controversy, but a lot of people are on the fence at this one. If you're going to ask me in December who was going to win this award, it was going to Lady Gaga, and that was it for her role in The Star is Born. However, Glenn Close ended up winning the award um, at the Golden Globes for this mm-hmm. movie, The Wife, and she is now the favorite to win this one because she's never won an Oscar either. So uh, the Academy definitely likes to vote for, quote, you know, lifetime achievements as well but i just look at this one and i'm going to put my edge at the lady gaga here because you look at what she did 
and she was almost unrecognizable to some of her fans as she played this struggling musician looking to get a break. So uh, I'm rooting for Lady Gaga on this one, but don't, don't be surprised if Glenn Close ends up winning this one. And Best Supporting Actor, that's got a lot of talent in that category, too. What are you thinking as far as the pick for there? Yeah, this one's probably Mahershal Ali is the only one that's really being talked about to win this one for Green Book. Uh, definitely a great performance here, and I think um, that you're going to see there. Adam Driver's being talked about for Black Klansman a lot. I, I just think the buzz is all on Mahershal to win this one for Green Book, so I'll give the nod to him. And then we've got uh, Best Supporting Actress. Uh, that one, I we got two people from The Favorite in that category. Emma Stone and Rachel Weisz are both up, but I'm not sure... It, just the way it looks, if either one of them would be able to to pull it in with the other people they've got in that category. And I think that's almost a disadvantage because I think they'll kind of cancel each other out yeah. and vote. If people really like the favorite, they're going to vote for one or the other, and I think that's almost a disadvantage. Um, it's, you know, if you look at the ad makers, they're saying Regina King for Field Street Could Talk, who a great performance um, as the mother in that picture. Otherwise, you've got Amy Adams for Vice, and She's the one that I think may be able to break through for the film uh, Vice. Uh, she's been nominated five times and never won. So I think that might help her out here. Meanwhile, Regina King, this is the first time she's ever been nominated. So just like I was on the fence with Glenn Close and Lady Gaga, I'm kind of betting my way on Amy Adams for this one. But Regina King is probably the other one where uh, if you were going to go that way, I would say that would be a good pick as well. And I love Claire Foy's performance in First Man, but like you said, I think uh, those two standouts, Regina King's performance and Amy Adams, I think uh, are just going to nudge them a little ahead of Claire Foy, unfortunately. Yeah, I just think Claire Foy is off the radar in terms of that movie. Um, there's not much else uh, from a performance uh, standpoint that that movie was nominated for across the board when you look at all the different awards. Right. So I, I think great performance for her, but I think Regina or Amy, it's going to come down to one of those two. And best director is always a category that they uh, they they scrutinize. I know we've got Spike Lee's nominated. Uh, we've got Adam McKay for Vice again, which Vice has gotten such critical acclaim. But uh, I, I'm not sure who to go with in this category. Well, when you really look at this one, I, I mean, some people say maybe Spike Lee for Black Black Klansman, and I do believe that after you know Spike Lee has this is probably one of his better films in recent years. I don't think it's up to the level of something like Do the Right Thing. That was a really good film, and it was kind of like, wow, it put him back in the spotlight for this one. However, I think the nod is going to go to Afonso Caron just because of what he did and the story that he had to tell. Mm. Um, when you're looking at Roma, it's a black-and-white film. It's very stylized. It's almost an art project, and it's a labor of love for him. So when you look at all that going for it, um, it's not like Spike Lee isn't deserving, but I think they'll give the nod to him for Roma just because of everything that's going into that film. And for him to choose this picture, it was rather interesting, too, because the last time he directed a picture, it was Gravity, which was the spectacular space story that captivated yeah. all these audiences in 2013. It was really interesting that, interesting that he chose this movie to do, and uh, I think that's why they'll probably give him the directing award for this one. And for Best Picture, I know for me personally, being a comic book dude, I'd love to see Black Panther take this one home, but I don't, I, I just don't feel like it's going to happen. 
you know, I, I'm very happy it got in there. And obviously, being an action comical fan myself, I would love to see it basically surprise everyone. Yeah. I think that would be the shock of the shock of, of the last 20, 30 years. And they can't be when that one actually won. Um, the same thing is true with Bohemian Rhapsody. I think if something like that could take it like it did at the Golden Globes, mm-hmm. I think, again, I think a lot of people would be talking about it. I, I really think, to me, this probably comes down to two pictures. And that was going to be between Roma and A Star is Born. And until November, I was basically looking at A Star is Born because I thought... That had a lot of things to it. It had great performances by Cooper and Lady Gaga. At the time, I thought that Bradley Cooper would be nominated for Best Director. He is not, but I really thought that was a compelling story. Now, some people as a dark horse are looking at the favorite. Mm-hmm. I just look at that picture. I mean, it's a, it's kind of a, a screwball period piece movie. Right. And I think it appealed to some, but I don't think it appealed to a wide enough audience. Uh, for it to really win here. So while my pick is The Star is Born, um, I, I think I'll probably give the nod for if I had to tell you who I thought would win. I think Roma's just basically got the momentum going for it right now. And uh, and like I said, it's it's a very it's, it's a it's a great picture from an art standpoint, um, directing standpoint, and then they took some risks doing black and white and taking on the subject matter that it did. The only issue that I had from Roma is, to me, it was a difficult picture to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, the first hour is very, very slow if you watch it, and it's just a, a more difficult picture to watch than any of the others on the board. So that's what makes it different. I mean, Black Panther, you're strapping on your safety belt, and you're along for the ride from the moment those opening credits yeah. hit. Roma is a totally different picture, um, and we'll see what the, the Academy gives us here. But um, it, if, if it's all of the films here are deserving. The only one that I really don't think has a shot is probably Vice. Not to say that Adam McKay didn't direct a good picture and it wasn't a good picture, but I just think it's got it's had a mix of, of critics on one side or the other, so I just don't think that would come up. Uh, but I could certainly see uh, Star is Born getting it. Rome, of course, was the one I think will probably end up winning, but Green Book and The Favorite certainly had their moments and could at least garner some votes. And we're talking with Brent Hoffman, director of marketing for Marcus Theaters, one of our show sponsors. Marcus Theaters has uh, totally changed the way we see movies, especially here in St. Louis, all the renovations that have been going on at Ronnie's and out at the DePere Theater. Uh, Some of the stuff that you guys have coming up right here for those of you who are listening in the St. Louis area, you guys always have something going on, uh, like at the St. Charles Cinema, you've got a wandering earth. Yeah, this is the number one film at the international box office right now. It's China's, like, one of its first big space epics. If you're a sci-fi fan and you like seeing different things, get on out this week to see this movie at St. Charles Cinema. It's really unique. It's really done well. Like I said, it's number one internationally. So I think your audience would love this. Go out to see something a little bit different. A Wandering Earth is playing at St. Charles Cinema. And this is what we're trying to do is bring different films to people everywhere, including the ones in St. Louis. So check out Wandering Earth and and look it up on the internet before you go see it, uh, because I think people will enjoy it if you give it a chance. And you guys have a second ultra screen DLX auditorium now in the St. Louis area with the O'Fallon Cinema. That's right. It was just opened up this past weekend. We have Alita 3D playing on there right now. Let me tell you, these ultra screen DLX uh, auditoriums, 
are just the perfect viewing environment. We've got a massive screen there. We've got Dolby Atmos sound. And then we also have these heated Dreamlands recliners, which are great for February afternoons or nights <laughs> at movies. I'll tell you that much. Yes. Um, we have we have these all-screen DLXs in two places now. One is in Chesterfield, and one now is across the border in Illinois at our O'Fallon Cinema there. Go and check out movies on one of these big screens. Alita's there now, and tickets are also on sale for Captain Marvel, which is coming out on March 7th, and that movie is just going to be tremendous. They say it might make almost $200 million its opening weekend. So get your tickets now and see it in the best auditoriums in St. Louis at one of these all-screen DLXs. All at MarcusTheaters.com. And before I let you go, uh, Best Picture, we've talked about the Oscars, uh, Best Picture Fest Day 2, Saint, uh, Chesterfield, De Pere, Ronnie's, and St. Charles, and O'Fallon. Uh, you can see the nominated animated shorts. You can see The Favorite. You can see Vice, Black Panther, and Bohemian Rhapsody all at those theaters, yeah? That's right. We did the first half this past Saturday. The second half of those films you just mentioned are, are, ne- are next Saturday. Get them all done in one fell swoop on a, on a Saturday and then be prepared for the awards show next Sunday. You can get those tickets on MarcusTheaters.com. And like I said, this is another thing we're doing to bring different pictures and pictures you may not have been able to, to catch before back to our screens. Brett Hoffman, Director of Marketing for Marcus Theaters. Always a pleasure. I love talking with people who are smarter about subjects than I am. So thanks very much for being on here with me this past Sunday. I love it. Thanks. All right, James. Have a great afternoon. You too. There he goes. MarcusTheaters.com again is that website. Go check out those second half of the nominated movies now. Get your tickets. We're going to come back and wrap things up right after this. Stand by. This is Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman. You're listening to geek to me Radio. We are back. My thanks once again to our guest today. We had Dynamic Music Partners talking all about the music of Young Justice Outsiders. And, of course, you just heard from Brett Hoffman making his Oscar picks. Uh, we've got a couple days we lost due to some snow and ice storms. So there's uh, two shows back. We've got a lot of stuff still coming up uh, for the next week of February. And then going into March, we'll have a lot of content. Uh, we're going to be talking with John Glover, the voice of the Riddler from Batman, the animated series, Lionel Luther from Smallville. We'll be broadcasting live from Planet Comic Con the last weekend of March, and of course, Wizard World St. Louis coming up that very first weekend of April. Lots of stuff always going on. Please keep up with me on social media. You can follow me on Twitter at geek to me Radio, Instagram, same thing, at geek to me Radio, and give us a follow on Facebook as well, facebook.com slash geek to me Radio. Keep up on all the things. We try to post uh, the shows after they air here. So if you miss them live, you can always go back and hear them in podcast form on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podomatic FM player as well. I just noticed has us as well. So until next week, my friends. That's a show!
justice and happy harbor. Good night.